Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. All right. Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing? All right. Come on. Everybody got coffee? Feeling good this morning? All right. I mean... If we're not excited today because today we're going to baptize Richard, this, I mean, like this is a day we should be extra excited because uh, we have a, a friend that's going to go public with his faith today. And uh, so we're excited about that. And we actually, the next couple weeks, we have a few more baptisms. Uh, and so this is going to be a really good day. I mean, if it was 10 degrees cooler, it would be a little better day, but it's still going to be a really good day uh, at City Walk. And uh, over the past few months, you guys know, uh, things have been a lot different in our society, and so you probably have found yourself uh, doing different things with your time. You probably have found yourself doing different things with your family. Uh, one of the things that our family has kind of been focused on over the past few months, because our seven-year-old daughter makes us focus on it, is her birthday. So Kate is, uh, we have three kids, we have uh, two older ones, and then we have Kate, and Kate is a seven-year-old now. And Kate's one of those kids that she talks about her birthday pretty much all year. And it's, it's the easy out when you're in the toy store to say, hey, Kate. She's like, Dad, I'd like to, maybe for your birthday, maybe for your birthday. You know, that's like the excuse. To, okay. And she's good with that. But she, she, every, every year she's got, you know, a few things that she wants. And this year, the thing that she talked about a lot was she wanted a treehouse. And so... There's a two problems with that. One is we don't have a tree big enough for a treehouse. And number two, and probably the biggest problem, is Kate's dad, if he built a house for kids, they would die in it because it would be very dangerous because Kate's dad is not good at those kind of things. But Kate's dad has some friends. And uh, one of those friends is named Mark Green, and he's kind of the man behind the curtain here at, at City Walk Runs the Sound and stuff. And Mark found out that Kate was interested in a, in a tree house. And so what he did is he designed and uh, he built, I think I did about 15 minutes of, could you bring me this? And that was my part in the whole thing. Uh, but he spent a lot of time. And so if you were to come over to our house right now, Kate would probably invite you to her playhouse. It's two stories. Again, never would I have been able to build that. Uh, two stories, and, and she would invite you to it. And it's one of those gifts that Kate is probably going to use for years, every single week of her life. And, and you know this, there's some times when you buy people gifts or you give someone a gift, and it's like, man, I killed it on that one. It was a big win, and this was one of those for our family. Like, man, this was a good thing. But you probably have also had times, just like I have, where, man, yeah, you have some, some big wins in the gift-giving category, but then you have other times when you are so excited about the gift, and then the person opens it, and they're not as excited as you were. You, you might have a niece or a nephew that, man, or a grandchild that, man, you, you thought you had the perfect present, 
And, and you were so, I mean, you, you were so excited. You wanted to give it to them before their birthday or before Christmas. And, and you are watching, like, as they're opening it, like, this is going to, like, change their life. They're going to love this thing. And then they end up liking the box more than they like the present that came in the box. And it's like, oh, it's a little bit of a letdown. And, and we probably have all experienced that. Well, over the past few weeks, we have been walking through a letter that a guy by the name of Paul wrote. And Paul, the reason I open with that is Paul talks a lot about specifically what we're going to talk about today. He talks about gifts. And this letter that Paul wrote, he wrote it to a group of people in a city called Ephesus. And he wrote it from prison. And so he writes this letter, and for the first half of the letter, he talks about kind of what, you, what he believes about Jesus, what he believes about salvation. He talks about theology. But then the second half of his letter, he talks about how all those things affect the relationships that people have in life. So their marriage their parenting, their work relationships. He, he talks about, and what we're going to talk about today, how, how relationships amongst people that are followers of Jesus should work. And one of the things we're going to see today is relationships between people that are followers of Jesus is so important to God that he actually gives us gifts to help us in that relationship he gives us gifts that will help us build into those relationships and so if you have your bible or you have the app open you can look at ephesians kind of the middle of the letter in, in uh, chapter uh, four and we're going to start in verse seven here's what paul says he says this but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of christ's gift that, that word grace, it could be, it could be giftedness or uh, ability. The, the, the giftedness or the ability, the divine ability was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so basically what Paul's saying, he's saying, hey, Jesus gives spiritual gifts to those that become his followers. So when you become a follower of Jesus, you are given spiritual gifts. And here's what you need to know about spiritual gifts. They're different than natural abilities. They're, they're different for a few reasons. First of all, natural abilities are usually for the benefit of the person that has the natural ability. Like we use our natural abilities to really benefit ourselves. And, and then the second thing that's different between natural abilities and spiritual gifts is this. Some natural abilities are a lot better than others. Uh, and they're not given to people in like equal format. For instance, like if I was 6'2", I could run a 4'2", 40-yard dash, and I was really good at catching footballs, that would help me a lot more than my ability to tie a cherry stem with my tongue. Yeah, both natural abilities. Like, man, you, you, you're 6'2", you can run fast, you can catch footballs. You know, that's a God-given ability. Oh, well, oh, you can also tie a cherry stem with your tongue. That's great, but probably the, the 6'2", 40-yard dash fast runner, that one's probably going to benefit you more unless you're at a party and you're just trying to impress people with how you can tie a thing with your tongue. But you can see how natural abilities are different and they're given differently. But spiritual gifts are important and they're highly valued and everyone that's a follower of Jesus has been given spiritual gifts and here's what's cool and here's what Paul does he kind of paints a picture 
if you are a person that likes like a good war movie, like you like a good like a, a war movie, or you like wish there was like a Gladiator two or something like you you like those kind of movies, then then you will like what Paul says next because here's what Paul does, he goes to Psalms chapter sixty eight, and what he does is he paints a picture. He paints a picture of Jesus as this victorious warrior that goes and takes captive those that are taken by sin. And he brings them back and he's able to give them gifts. And so look look at verse 8. It says this. It says, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. So Basically what Paul's doing, he's, he's reminding us that Jesus, when, when he came to earth, he left heaven. He left like the glories of heaven, things we can't even imagine. He left heaven, he came to earth, he descended to earth, he lived among us, he lived a sinless life, he died for the sins of the world, he rose from the grave, and because he did that, now he has the ability to give gifts to the followers of Jesus. And so Paul paints this picture of this this Jesus, this warrior who goes and wins the battle and wins the right to basically share gifts with those that he loves. And and so that's what Paul's saying. And not only does Paul talk about how Jesus gives us each gifts, but he also talks about how Jesus, after he gives us gifts, he gives us people to help us use those gifts. And so look at the next phrase. In verse 11, he says this. He gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. And then he says this. He tells you why he gave them. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. He says, hey, because of what Jesus did, because he died and he rose from the grave and and he won the victory over sin, now he's able to, those that follow him, he's able to give gifts. But then he says, hey, not only does he give gifts, but he gives servants to the church that will help equip those people to use their gifts in a way that's most effective. So so here, here, if you're somebody that enjoys fishing, you can relate with this. This word equip, what he says, he says, we have prophets, we have teachers, we have evangelists, we have different people, and their job is to not do the ministry, but to equip people that are followers of Jesus to use their gifts, to serve others. That word equip, if you're a fisherman, maybe you can relate with this. It's a fishing term, and it basically means mending or preparing nets. So back in this time, a lot of Jesus' closest followers, their profession was they were fishermen. And, and you, even if you're not a fisherman, you would know this. Like if you go out and you're fishing with nets, it's probably really good that you don't have gaping tears in your nets. Because all the work you do, those fish are going to get away. So you need to mend and care for your nets. And that prepares those nets to go out and catch fish and do what they're supposed to do. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, you've been given these gifts. Every single one of you, you've been given these spiritual gifts from God. But then you've been given teachers and evangelists and prophets that will mend where needs mending and prepare you like a fisherman prepares a net to go do the things that God's called you to do. 
And I don't know if, if you think this about yourself. I, I hope you realize this. But I hope we all realize that we desperately need each other. I hope you're not a person that is trying to go at life alone. And you're thinking, I hope you maybe have dropped that. Like, I, I know I'm not that tough. I know I'm not that good. I know I'm not that smart. I, I go ahead and admit, like, I need other people. And, and if you are a follower of Christ, Paul's talking right to, to you. He, he's reminding you that, yeah, you've been given gifts, but you need other people. And, and I am so thankful over the years for the pastors, the shepherds that God has put in my life to help me in some of the darkest days of my life and also to help me in some of the best days of my life to, to use what God's given me in the best ways. There's a guy... Uh, named Dustin Folden, and he was one of my pastors. He was my small group teacher. Uh, when we lived, we lived in Lafayette, Indiana for about two years. He was my neighbor. He, we were running partners, but he also was one of the pastors at the church. And, and in what was the probably the darkest days of my adult life, Dustin walked me through the darkest days of my adult life and helped me become more like Jesus in the midst of some really tough times. I have another guy in my life. He's actually on our board for, for uh, City Walk. His name's John Armstrong. And I still remember the day when I was probably tw about 20 years old and I walked into John Armstrong's office and I was going to be his intern for the next year. And the very first thing he did is he had, if you are a time management person, you'll remember this. He had Franklin Covey audio tapes on my desk and he said, the first thing you're going to do is listen to those, and then we'll talk. So I listened to those. But basically what that did is that started a 20-some-year mentor-discipleship relationship with me that John has never not been a part of my life. In fact, I got a text from him yesterday. And, and I could continue to go on and talk about the different people that God has put in my life that have shepherded me, that have encouraged me, that have equipped me, that I would not be what I am today. I would be a train wreck if it wasn't for people like that. And you have the same people. Hopefully you can point to different people and hopefully you have come to a spot in your life where you realize, you know what, I need other people. I need shepherds. I need, need people that can encourage me, can equip me, can get in my face when I need somebody to get in my face and tell me the truth. I need those people in my life. But not only do I need those type of people in my life for this process to work, but, but Paul also talks about how I need to be one of those people. I need to be one of those people. You need to be one of those people that uses the gifts that God has given you to serve, encourage, and, and really be a, be a help to other people in the body of Christ. That's the way we become more like Jesus. That's part of the process is we have people that care for our souls, but we also make it a point to not make this whole thing about us, but we use the gifts God's given us to serve things that are more that are bigger than us and other people. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying this process of becoming more like Jesus is this process is you being taking the gifts that you've been given, putting them under the, the shepherding of other people that will equip and encourage you, but then you actively using what God's given you for others. Did you, did you hear that in this passage? He says, why, why do we equip people for the work of the ministry? Simply this, 
for the building up of the body of Christ. Not for the building up of anybody's kingdom. Not for the building up of any one church. But for the building up of the body of Christ. We do these things to make a big deal of one person. And his name's Jesus. And that's what Paul's saying. And Paul reminds us that, that this process is, in the next couple of verses, he reminds us that this is part of the process of us becoming more like Jesus. He says this in verse 13. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And basically what Paul's saying is, hey, this process of, of being shepherded and equipped and using your gifts to serve other people, this process ends when we all look just like Jesus. When, when all that's done, then we can stop the process. But he says, until then, this is part of the maturing process. It's part of the process of becoming more like Jesus. But then what he says is this. He says, basically, he gives us two, two scenarios. He says, hey, if you don't do this, here's the scenario that happens. And some of you will probably say, you know what? what I, this is what my life has been. If we're not growing spiritually, we're not come, becoming more like Jesus, basically he says we're unstable. He says this, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes. He basically says, hey, if you're not into the, like, being shepherded and equipped and using your gifts to serve other people, if you're not about becoming more like Jesus, then here's what your life's going to be like. Tossed to and fro. You're going to give in to all the craftiness. You're going to believe this and believe that. You're going to be all over the place in your beliefs. You're going to be wishy-washy. And, and this word craftiness that he uses is literally the word that we would use when we talk about dice playing, when we're talking about like trying to deceive somebody else. This is what your life is going to be like if you don't put yourself under people that will equip you and you don't use what you have to serve others. If you make it all about you, you're going to be a person that's tossed to and fro, that uh, believes this, believes that, and, and, and that's just going to be your life. But when we're a mature follower of Jesus, when we're growing, it brings with it stability, not perfection for sure. Not a perfect life, not a life that there's never any issues, but it brings with it, even in the midst of the wind, it brings with it some stability in our beliefs and in our life. And then he goes on and he says, if you are growing spiritually, if you are becoming more like Jesus, if you are being shepherded and equipped and using your gifts, here's what happens. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Basically, he says, if you're a person who's growing in your faith and you're becoming more like Jesus, here's what will characterize you. Instead of instability, what will characterize you is speaking truth with love. Being someone who loves people enough to tell them the truth, but will do it in a loving way. Truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. You need both. And Paul says part of this process is you become not someone who's unstable and unstable and back and forth. You become a person who's known for speaking the truth in love, for loving people. And then, then he closes this section in, in verse 16. He says this, 
from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, when every person is using their gifts in the proper way, and they're not making their giftedness all about them, when, when all that's happening, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When we have been equipped and are using our gifts faithful, faithfully, the body of Christ is unified and growing. It, it becomes something that's unstoppable. When people are using their gifts to serve others and they're not making this thing all about themselves. When we started CityWalk uh, just not long ago, in some ways it feels like a long time ago, but if you think back, it's, it's only, we've only actually been in California just over a couple years. But when we started CityWalk, we imagined a church that would always make Jesus the lead story. That everything, we would just talk about Jesus. We wouldn't talk about politics. We wouldn't talk about this or that. Like, it would always just be about Jesus. He would always be the lead story. We imagined a church that would be a place that's safe and welcoming for anybody that's struggling with anything. Like, you can come here, even if you don't agree with what we teach, it's a safe and welcoming place for you to investigate. That's what we imagined. Uh, we imagined a church that was so passionate about the mission of Jesus that it valued courageous action over comfortable talking. Like we, we wanted to be a church that was going to be all about taking steps forward because of the mission other than just being comfortable and talking about taking steps. But, but these statements and other things that we imagine for our church are only going to be true when we remember that the gifts... And the power that we have is from Jesus. And when we use those gifts in a way that makes it all about him. And, and you, you may be here and you may be someone who's been following Jesus for a long time. Maybe you're watching online. And, or maybe you're somebody and you're kind of investigating faith. And, and for you, this idea of being part of something bigger than you, being part of a body and, and being gifted, man, it sounds like, wow, that sounds good. Like being a part of something that makes a difference. And when I talk about a body, I'm not talking about this church here. I'm talking about the body of Christ. And you may be, be there watching online or you're, you're here this morning and you think, you know what? Yes, that sounds great. The idea of being gifted by God and then invited into his work on earth sounds exciting. But then you think about your life. And you think, you know what? The reality is my walk with God can at times be passionless, apathetic, no impact, and I mean, even boring. I mean, you think, yeah, this all sounds great, being a part of something bigger than me, using my gifts, being fulfilled. But at the end of the day, you look at your walk with Jesus and you think, you know what? If I'm honest, this thing's kind of boring me. Or it's, I don't really see the impact. What you're describing, Chris, sounds great. But I don't really see that in my life. Well, instead of me closing our time by giving you three points that will change your life, let me just end by asking you a few questions. Let me, let, me, let me ask you a few questions that I think will help every single one of us, no matter where we are on our journey of faith, evaluate where we are with Jesus and, and really what, what our faith looks like. And here's the first question, real simple. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? 
Not, not does your parents, not do you go to church, not have you been baptized, not do you give money to the church. No, no, no. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Have you come to a spot in your life where you have admitted to God that you have sinned, that you've disobeyed him, that you've broken his laws, where you have believed that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave that he did that for you, and where you have invited Jesus to, into a relationship. Have you ever done that? That's, that's a great where place to start. If you've never done that, if you've been around that idea a lot and you've heard about that idea a lot, but you've never personally made that decision, then today I hope you'll make that decision before you leave. I hope you'll write it maybe on your next steps card and, and we'll get with you. We'd love to help you with that. You can come talk to us after. Here's the second question. Are you a committed part of a local church? Like, have you voluntarily put yourself in a place where there are people that shepherd and encourage you? And, and I'm not even talking about this church. In fact, there's been several times in this church planning journey that I've told people to go to other churches because we're not the right fit for them. And so it's not about city walk, but, but the thing is, if you're going to thrive in your relationship with Jesus, if you're going to speak the truth in love and use your gifts in a way that brings glory to God and really moves his kingdom forward, then you need to be a committed part of a local church. Your, your kids need this. You, you need someone that doesn't care if your kid struck out, doesn't care if your kid made the AB honor roll. What they're focused on is the kids walk with Jesus. You need somebody that's concerned about that in that kid's life besides you. And like I said, it's, it's definitely not about city walk. It's, I, there's some other great churches in our town. Here's the third question. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? You're like, I'm a good soccer player. Well, that's a natural ability. That's not a spiritual gift. But do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been supernaturally gifted by God. And one of the things we do here that we haven't done since COVID is we do a thing called growth track. And we're going to start growth track up here uh, this fall again. And part of growth track is we actually do a spiritual gift assessment. Where you can find out, hey, how's God uniquely gifted me? And it's so exciting to find out like, oh, that's why I feel mercy more than my husband. Because there's some gifts that I have that he doesn't have. Or that's why I look at situations in this way. Because, oh, God's uniquely gifted me in this area. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? And then the last question is this. Are you using your gifts to serve others? I'm telling you this. The best day of your life is when you go to bed at night and you are war flat out because you have served people in your sweet spot all day long. Those days are special days. When you, you are, there's something that you're passionate about and you've been able to give your day or some hours of your time to it, you go to bed fulfilled in a way that nothing else in this life will fulfill you when you're using your gifts. See, there's a, there's a ton of people that will fill a row at a church a couple times a quarter. They'll throw a few dollars in the offering plate once in a while, but they will never experience what Jesus really has for them. And what's awesome is, and you hopefully you know this, if you're a follower of Jesus, God invites you into his story.
He invites you to be a part of the story of redemption. He invites you to be a part of a movement that Jesus started 2,000 years ago that people have tried to stop over and over and over again, and it's only gotten stronger. He invites you to be a part of that. He invites you to give your life for something a lot bigger than just our day-to-day stuff. He invites you into that. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people that their whole walk with Jesus is just, hey, sitting in a pew once every couple weeks and maybe putting a little money in and checking that box that I went to church. And that's kind of, it's like, eh, kind of boring. I think I'm going to heaven. I, I, I don't really know about all this stuff, but I'm kind of doing my deal. So much bigger than that. I remember hearing about a guy, and you, you may have heard about this guy, a guy by the name of Jim Elliott. And Jim Elliott was a guy that uh, was a young man in his 20s when he and a group of other guys and their families decided to go into the jungles of Ecuador and their goal was they wanted to reach a group of people that had never been reached. And so they they went into the jungles to to help reach and they, they had a plan and this was a group of people that were not nice people. In fact, this was a group of people that when they were hungry, they would eat you if they needed to. Like this was, it was, it was a tough situation. But what's interesting, and you can read some of Jim Elliott's journals leading up to this, and there's been movies made about it, but bottom line is Jim Elliott, when he was 28 years old on the beaches in the jungles of Ecuador, gave his life at 28 years old as he was trying to reach these people, as he was giving himself for something bigger. And he, he, he made this statement. And this is probably the most popular statement that he said. He said this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let me read that again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And if you were to follow the story, here's what you would hear you would see that Jim Elliott and his, uh, the other guys gave their life. But their kids and their wives went back. And some of the men that threw the spears to kill Jim Elliott are pastors of churches in the jungle today. Because there was a man, a group of men, and their families and their wives that said, you know what, my life is about a lot more than the day-to-day And I am going to pour myself out for something bigger than me. And one day, Jim Elliott will stand before God and he'll look around and he'll see some of those people that killed him and he'll be worshiping Jesus with those people because he was willing to give himself and here's the bottom line. You got to trust that Jesus way is the best way. If you don't, you won't. Like, if I don't believe Jesus, if Jim Elliott didn't think Jesus' way was the best way, why would he go into the jungle and even think about putting himself and his family in danger? But he had a bigger picture. He had a bigger goal for his life than this day-to-day, boring, apathetic Christianity that America is a part of. He wanted something better. And I, my prayer for me, for my family, and for our gathering is that we would be known as a church that courageously moves forward for the mission of Jesus Christ. Because he's worth it. And he gave everything for us. Let's pray.
Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Paul. Thank you for Paul and his uh, just willingness to take his time while he was in prison. When he could have been thinking about himself, and, and probably most of us, including me, would have been thinking about ourselves. But he took time while he was in prison to write a letter to a group of people he loved dearly in the city of Ephesus. And he encouraged them to not only follow you, but also to use their gifts to serve other people, to serve things that are bigger than them. And Lord, I pray for us in our gathering, whether we're watching online or whether we're here this morning, Lord, I pray that you would work in each of our lives. And if we don't have a relationship with you, I pray that today, before we leave, that we would, even in this moment, that we would just cry out to you. And in this moment, that we would admit to you that we've sinned, that we would believe that when you died and rose from the grave, that you did it for us. And that we would call upon you and just ask us, ask you to save us. Lord, I pray that people would do that. Lord, I pray for those that already have a relationship with you, but that are honestly bored with their walk with you. Lord, I pray that they would not settle for that. But they would recommit themselves to being shepherded and equipped. And that they would use their gifts to serve something much bigger than them. God, we believe that your plan is best, and we're so thankful that you invited us into this. In Jesus' name, amen.